Welcome to the College Commons Podcast and our acclaimed author series, brought to you by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion, together with the Jewish Book Council. We'll meet authors recognized by the National Jewish Book Awards and discuss their celebrated books. My name is Joshua Hola, Dean of HUC's Skirball Campus in Los Angeles, and your host. Welcome to this episode of the College Commons Podcast, where I look forward to our conversation with Leslie Newman. Leslie Newman is the author of 75 books for readers of all ages. She has received many literary awards, including creative writing fellowships from the National Endowment for the Arts and the Massachusetts Artists Foundation. Ms. Newman wrote, Heather has two mommies, the first children's book to portray lesbian families in a positive way, and has followed up this pioneering work with several more children's books on lesbian and gay families. Among her Jewish-themed books for children is Giddle's Journey, an Ellis Island Story, which won the National Jewish Book Award in 2019, and Welcoming Elijah, the topic of our discussion today, which also won the National Jewish Book Award in 2020. Welcome, Liz Leah Newman, to the College Commons Podcast. Nice to be here. I wanted to ask you at the outset what something that struck me, and it has to do with the relationship between the illustrations and the text. The book opens with a, a panorama of what could be either uh, an American suburb or a shtetl. And insofar as it's evocative of the shtetl, it sets a kind of chronological expectation of something vaguely in the 19th century, for example. And then when you go into turn the page and you begin to become a guest in the house, you see um, a population of people ready for the first night of Passover, the Seder, and the people are very diverse. There's a black family, there's elderly people, there are young people. There's this whole diversity of people that feels very contemporary. The anachronism that the illustrations seem to set up in relation to the diversity. Am I imagining that or is that is was that intentional? Well, as an author, I don't have a lot of say in the illustrations. That's really between the editor, the artist and the art director, but I will say that diversity and representation of diversity is very, very important to me in my book. So I made that very clear to my editor. And if you look at the illustrations, you can't really tell who's with who in terms of family dynamics. And I did that on purpose on one of the opening pages. The text simply says, inside it was warm outside it was windy. And you have a picture of a crowd of people approaching the boy's home and the boy is standing in the doorway. Now, originally when I received the sketch for that painting, the boy was standing between a man and a woman who the readers would of course assume that it was his parents. So I said to my editor, cause I didn't get to talk to the artist directly. Why is the default that this is a boy with a mom and a dad? There's nothing in the text says that. And that immediately gives a message that this is the kind of family that this book is about. So I suggested that the boy be by himself opening the door for the guests so that inside there could be one mom, two moms, a mom and a dad, two dads, 
a single dad so that more families could see themselves in the story. So that's one example of how I try to be inclusive and how I can give feedback to my editor to pass on to the artist, which they listened to. And I was very grateful for that. It is a Passover story. It uh, takes place on the first or perhaps the second night, but certainly at a Seder. And the story effectively sets up a parallel experience between the cat, one of our protagonists, and sort of one of the parallel tracks, and the boy uh, inside uh, with uh, the family at the Seder on the other parallel track. The boy's story is filled with with light and warmth and the and the and the the sort of spelling out of the seder. The cat's story, however, seems to be kind of lonely. Uh, were you trying to evoke a sense of loneliness from us on behalf of the cat, or is it just that a cat's life outside is different? Well, the book is really full of contrasts. You know, the whole structure, the lines begin inside, this happens, outside that happens. Um, So there's that contrast. There's the contrast of light and dark because it's night and outside it's dark and inside is light, which the illustrations show. And throughout the writing of the book, I kept thinking about the commandment to welcome the stranger especially during a Seder. And so I wanted to show how the cat's life is changed when she becomes invited into the home. There's another theme, which is the, uh, the tension that you build up in the text in particular, where you, you want the parallel stories to intersect. And I'm thinking of the part where it says, still the boy waited and still the kitten waited. And clearly you're, you're building, you're building attention there. So um, if we're allowed to give a spoiler where they do meet, tell us, tell us the, the, the moment where they meet and, and what happens. And then I'll follow up with a question about it. Well, I love when the, the stories are running on a parallel track and then they merge and where they merge is when the boy opens the door for Elijah, which is his favorite part of the Seder, which was my favorite part of the Seder when I was growing up. And then we have the lines, inside the boy looked outside, outside the kitten looked inside. So that is when they meet. And then the boy opens the door and what does he say? (laughs) He says, Elijah. And the kitten says, meow. And that's how Elijah found a home, is how the book ends. You've you've taken the the idea of opening the door for Elijah, this part of the Seder known to to almost anyone who's ever attended one, um, and uh, a kind of climactic moment. Which in the tradition, of course, you you open it and 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 Elijah is either invisible or depending on how you believe uh, about Elijah, not there. There's a lot of ways to understand it. And now it's a kitten who who comes in and becomes integrated into the family, and. This might be too far off, I don't know. But, you know, I, I run a, a rabbinical seminary, so I tend to go in this direction. The prophet Elijah is associated in Jewish tradition with the heralding of the Messianic age. And in that regard, there's a Messianic component to the, the ritual of opening the door for Elijah. I found it deeply 
compelling and maybe reading far too much into the story, that if you merge those two things, the, the messianic idea of Elijah with the, the book welcoming Elijah, you get a sense of the Messiah or the messianic age being lonely and outcast and, and wanting to come and wanting to join us and, and yearning for us as much as we yearn for a messianic age when, you know, the lion will die, lie down with the lamb and, and what have you. Um, is that, is that uh, taking this too far or, or is there something in that in your thinking? Well, I'd love to say that I did that on purpose and I should say that, but <laughs> I didn't. But now that you bring that up, I just love how you read that into this story. And it makes total sense because the kitten is yearning to come in just as much as the boy, when he sees Elijah, is yearning to bring Elijah into the fold. So I would say absolutely. And uh, my mother would instruct me to say, oh, yes, I did that on purpose. So yeah. <laughs> take credit. <laughs> Take credit for it. Right. Before we return to the podcast, we want to let you know about digital learning on the College Commons platform. Beyond this podcast, which is available to the public at large, check out the online courses at collegecommons.huc.edu for in-depth learning, digital syllabi, assignments, inspiration for teaching, and one of our most influential courses called Making Prayer Real. Subscribe with your synagogue for all this and more. Just click sign up at collegecommons.huc.edu. Oh, and one more thing. Help us out and rate us on iTunes. But whatever you do, do not give us five stars. Unless we deserve it. Now, back to our podcast. With respect to the diversity of the people uh, shown in the story, and the fact that you don't really know the relationships that anybody could be anybody's uncle, brother, sister, wife, husband, whatever, the quality of that mixing evokes another quality in my mind about Passover, which is that Passover is one of the holidays that Jewish families most commonly and widely invite their non-Jewish friends and family to. And it's, it's a holiday that lends itself to that in my experience. Is that part of your experience just as, as, a, as a person who celebrates Passover? And if so, what do you think it is about Passover that lends itself to that, um, that capacity to, to, to be broad-minded and open-armed and welcoming? Well, it's one of the few holidays that we celebrate at home, right, instead of going to shul. Um, and there's a big meal, which is always exciting and interesting and fun for people. And it's a holiday about storytelling. And who doesn't love to hear a story? And we tell the story year after year. And every time a new person is at the Seder, we're reminded that not everybody knows the story. And it's important to tell this story and the new guest brings their own questions and adds to the discussion. So it's just, it's a very Hamish time and it's a time where everybody gets to participate. And I think that's another reason. It's not that you just sit back and listen, you know, people take turns reading from the Haggadah. Uh, people ask questions in my case, people bring food. So they're not simply served, but it's a, 
a participatory meal. So there's just so many opportunities for everyone to share in the ritual. And I think that's why it's so um, inviting for people to come to one's home and be part of it all. I want to ask you about your commitment, your authorial commitment to diversity in general, not just in the Jewish context. Why is the diversity question so important to you as it evidently is? And perhaps more importantly, what's, what's the unique power of children's books in presenting stories of diversity? A children's book has the power to change child's life. And so when I was growing up, I never saw a Jewish family in a children's book ever. And as a child, I didn't have the words to express how alienating and isolating that made me feel. I just knew that I was different, that my family was different. I would ask my parents things like, why can't we have a Christmas tree? Why can't I hunt for Easter eggs? You know, they were very adamant that those were not our family tradition and those were not things that I would be participating in. So I just would get mad, you know, because I blamed them. And I remember when I saw my first Jewish children's book, I was in my late twenties and I was in a store in Northampton, Massachusetts, where I lived. And the book was Mrs. Moskowitz and the Sabbath candlesticks and tears just ran down my face. I finally, at that age, saw a book that represented my family. And so I know from my own direct experience, even though I grew up in Brighton Beach, a very Jewish neighborhood, all the families around me looked like my family, basically. Um, But that direct experience was not as powerful as the messages I received from never seeing a family like mine in a book or on TV or in a movie. And so it really became my mission as a children's book writer to provide children with the opportunity to see themselves in books. Um, And that started when a woman who was a lesbian mom with a very young child stopped me on the street and asked me to write a book about a family like theirs. And so I immediately could feel her desire to create that experience for her child. And I took that very seriously. And that's how Heather Has Two Mommies came into being. So ever since then, I've just carried on that mission. I'd like to ask you about Gittle's journey for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think most Jewish families are interested in their in their family stories and their arrival to the United States, but also because my daughter's name is Gita. The, Gittle is the diminutive of Gita. And so the name is in our family as well. And I wanted to ask you if... Uh, as the name intimates, it might be the case. Is this also a personal story for you? So my children's book, Giddle's Journey, an Ellis Island story, is based on my own family history. And it really, all I knew about it was an anecdote, which was that Gittel, whose real name was Sadie, came over in the early 1900s by herself as a child. And all she had was a piece of paper with a name and address of a relative scrawled on it. And she had held that piece of paper so tightly throughout the whole journey that when she showed it to an immigration officer, all the ink had worn off on her hand and it was illegible. And so her picture was put in the Jewish newspaper and miraculously her relative found her and came to Ellis Island to get her. And, you know, this story was just lodged in my bones. And then when all the immigration 
uh, issues came to the forefront in our country in the last couple of years, that story just traveled to the forefront of my brain, and I decided to write about it, and I got to interview my 93-year-old aunt, who is the daughter of the real Gittle. Um, she didn't really remember anything else, so I had to do a lot of research to bring that anecdote alive in a children's book. Tell us uh, about what you're working on now. I know that your uh, your oeuvre goes far beyond children's books. Well, the book that I'm most excited about, uh, which actually I'm not actually working on because it's it was just published, just just published. So I'm working on publicizing it. Uh, is called I Wish My Father, and it's a memoir in verse. So it's a book-length collection of poetry that explores uh, my experience uh, taking care of my dad during the last five years of his life. And it's a companion to a previously published book called I Carry My Mother, which was about my shepherding my mom through the last years of her life. So my parents have become a boxed set, which I think would amuse them. And um, those books are very near and dear to my heart, obviously, because they're very personal. And uh, writing in verse, is it the first time you've ever written something in verse? No, actually, poetry is my first love. So I began my literary life as a poet. I started writing poems when I was eight years old, and we moved from Brighton Beach to uh, Long Island, which was a very different culture and neighborhood, and I was very bereft. I did not like it. I really missed uh, Brooklyn. So um, I've been writing poetry for a really long time. My first publications were poems uh, published in Seventeen magazine when I was a teenager. And then I um, studied with Allen Ginsberg at Naropa Institute. He was my mentor for many years. Um, And then I studied with uh, Grace Paley at the Cummington Center for the Arts. So I've been a poetry has been the the through thread of my life. And as you can see, Welcoming Elijah, though it's not written in rhymed verse, if you type that text out, which I did for 25 drafts, it is a poem. And many of my oh. um, children's books are written either as rhymed or unrhymed verse. Uh, well, Leslie Newman, I want to thank you for the pleasure of your company and conversation and sharing uh, your work with us. And I want to remind our audience that uh, Welcoming Elijah, the children's picture book, is available everywhere. It's a beautiful and elegant read, and I hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, not only for Passover, but certainly for the Passover season when it comes around. And until then, um, I look forward to talking to you again about your future publications. Leslie, thank you so much. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the College Commons podcast, available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the College Commons website, collegecommons.huc.edu where you can also stay tuned for future episodes.